Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday edition of Man for Breakfast. We are in Ezekiel 45. We'll be doing 46 today, as well as 1 John chapter 2. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning, and we do thank you for a beautiful, beautiful day that we can spend with you, no matter what kind of weather's going on outside within the body of Christ and by ourselves and wherever we are in the afternoon. It just It's a joy. It's a joy to be a part of your kingdom and your church. So thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Ezekiel 45, verse 1. And when you divide by lot the land for inheritance, you shall offer an allotment to the Lord, a holy portion of the land. The length shall be the length of 25,000 cubits, and the width shall be 20,000. It shall be holy within all its boundary round about. Of this there shall be for the holy place a square round about 500 by 500 cubits and 50 cubits for its open space round about. From this area you shall measure a length of 25,000 cubits and a width of 10,000 cubits and in it shall be the sanctuary, the most holy place. It shall be the holy portion of the land. It shall be for the priests, the ministers of the sanctuary who come near to minister to the Lord It shall be a place for their houses and a holy place for the sanctuary. An area 25,000 cubits in length and 10,000 in width shall be for the Levites, the ministers of the house, and for their possessions. Cities to dwell in. You shall give the city possession of an area 5,000 cubits wide and 25,000 cubits alongside the allotment of the holy portion. It shall be for the whole house of Israel. The prince shall have land on either side of the holy allotment and the property of the city adjacent to the holy allotment and the property of the city on the west side towards the west and on the east side towards the east and in length comparable to one of the portions from the west border to the east border. This shall be his land for a possession of Israel. So my princes shall no longer oppress my people, but they shall give the rest of the land to the house of Israel according to their tribes. Verse 9. Thus says the Lord God, Enough, you princes of Israel, put away violence and destruction and practice justice and righteousness. Stop your expropriation from my people, declares the Lord God. You shall have just balances, a just ephah, and a just bath. The ephah and the bath shall be the same quantity so that the bath will contain a tenth of a homer and the ephah a tenth of a homer. And their standard shall be according to the homer. The shekel shall be 20 geras, 20 shekels, and 25 shekels, and 15 shekels shall be the money. This is the offering that you shall offer. A sixth of an ephah from a homer of wheat, a sixth of an ephah from a homer of barley, and the prescribed portion of oil, namely the bath of oil, a tenth of the bath for each core, which is 10 baths of homer, and 10 baths are a homer and one sheep from each flock of 200 from the watering places of Israel 
and for a grain offering and for a burnt offering and for peace offerings to make atonement for them, declares the Lord God. All the people of the land shall give to this offering for the prince of Israel. It shall be the prince's part to provide the burnt offerings, the grain offering, and the drink offering at the feast on the new moons and on the Sabbaths and all the appointed feasts of the house of Israel. He shall provide the sin offering, the grain offering, the burnt offering, and the peace offerings to make atonement for the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, in the first month, on the first of the month, you shall take a young bull without blemish and cleanse the sanctuary. The priest shall take some of the blood from the sin offering and put it on the doorpost of the house on the four corners of the ledge of the altar and on the posts of the gate of the inner court. Thus you shall do on the seventh day of the month for anyone who goes astray or is naive. You shall make atonement for the house. On the first month, on the 14th day of the month, you shall have Passover, a feast of seven days. Unleavened bread shall be eaten. On that day, the prince shall provide for himself and all the people of the land a bowl for a sin offering. During the seven days of the feast, he shall provide as a burnt offering to the Lord seven bulls and seven rams without blemish. And on every day of the seventh day, and a male goat daily for a sin offering. He shall provide as a grain offering an ephah with a bull, an ephah with a ram, and a hin of oil with an ephah. In the seventh month, on the fifteenth day of the month, at the feast he shall provide like this, seven days for a sin offering, the burnt offering, the grain offering, and the oil. Chapter 46. Thus says the Lord God, The gate of the inner court facing east shall be shut the six working days, but it shall be opened on the Sabbath day and opened on the day of the new moon. The prince shall enter by way of the porch of the gate from the outside and stand by the post of the gate. Then the priest shall provide his burnt offering and his peace offerings, and he shall worship at the threshold of the gate and then go out. But the gate shall not be shut until evening. The people of the land shall also worship at the doorway of the gate before the Lord on the Sabbath and on the new moons. The burnt offerings which the prince shall offer to the Lord on the Sabbath day shall be six lambs without blemish and a ram without blemish. And the grain offering shall be an ephah with the ram and the grain offering with the lambs as much as he is able to give an hand of oil with an ephah. On the day of the new moon he shall offer a young bull without blemish, also six lambs and a ram which shall be without blemish. And he shall provide a grain offering, an ephah with the bull, and an ephah with the ram, and with the lambs as much as he is able, and a hin of oil with an ephah. When the prince enters, he shall go in by the way of the porch of the gate and go out by the same way. And when the people of the land come before the Lord at the appointed feast, he who enters by way of the north gate to worship shall go out by the way of the south gate. And he who enters by the way of the south gate shall go out by the way of the north gate. No one shall return by way of the gate which he entered, but shall go straight out. When they go in, the prince shall go in among them, and when they go out, he shall go out. At the festivals and the appointed feast, the grain offerings shall be an ephah and a bull with an ephah with a ram, and with the lambs as much as one is able to give, and a hint of oil with the ephah. When the prince provides a freewill offering, a burnt offering, and a peace offering as a freewill offering to the Lord, the gate facing east shall be open for him. And he shall provide his burnt offerings and his peace offerings as he does on the Sabbath day. Then he shall go out, and the gate shall be shut after he goes out. And you shall provide a lamb, a year old, without blemish, 
and a burnt offering to the Lord daily, morning by morning, you shall provide it. Also, you shall provide a grain offering with it morning by morning, a sixth of a hen and a third of a hen of oil to moisten the fine flour and a grain offering to the Lord continually by a perpetual ordinance. Thus they shall provide the lamb, the grain offering, and the oil morning by morning for a continual burnt offering. Thus says the Lord God, if the prince gives a gift out of his inheritance to any of his sons, it shall belong to his sons. It is their possession by their inheritance. But if he gives a gift from the inheritance to one of his servants, it shall be his until the year of liberty. Then it shall return to the prince. His inheritance shall be only his sons. It shall belong to them. The prince shall not take from the people's inheritance, thrusting them out of their possession. He shall give his son's inheritance from his own possession, so that my people will not be scattered, anyone from his possession. Verse 19, Then he brought me through the entrance, which was at the side of the gate into the holy chambers, for the priests which faced north. And behold, there was a place at the extreme rear towards the west. And he said to me, This is the place where the priests shall boil the guilt offering and the sin offering, and where they shall bake the grain offering, in order that they may not bring them out into the outer court and transmit holiness to the people. Then he brought me out into the outer court and led me across to the four corners of the court. And behold, in every corner of the courthouse there was a small court. In the four corners of the court there were enclosed courts, 40 cubits long and 30 cubits wide. These four in the corners were the same size. There was a row of masonry around about in them, around the four of them, and boiling places were made under the rows round about. Then he said to me, These are the boiling places where the ministers of the house shall boil the sacrifices of the people. Interesting chapters. And again, I was mentioning yesterday, this seems to be pointing to many of the ritualistic and and observances that the Israelites would do when they come out of captivity and reestablish temple worship. That would be very necessary. How to worship, who gets what. But... We also see it in context of this millennial temple because it is my understanding that the temple they rebuilt was not anything like this temple. The measurements were different. It was much smaller. So this is a special temple. That's why some people think it's only figurative and representative. But with so much detail, it would seem to be literal. And it would seem in the future, there is a sense that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, would come through that east gate. It would only be open for him. And um, he would come in and go out, only him from that place. And then people could come into the temple from one end and go all the way through it, through the other, like just a constant stream of people to come and worship, maybe feast, enjoy a barbecue with their friends and enjoy a time of worship. This all really smacks of celebration. We're not looking at something that is so uh, religious and somber. Uh, Yes, there's holiness there. But if we're looking ahead in the millennial, it's going to be something extraordinary. But yet, they don't have a concept of Jesus yet. They don't have a concept of the Messiah and the Prince of Peace that would come and lay down his life for them. So In the meantime, they need to reestablish and reinforce and understand God's holiness and the need to come before him under the law up until Jesus and how important it was to maintain this sense of brokenness and coming before him with a sacrifice, asking for forgiveness. 
So there's a lot of symbolism here. There's a lot of reality of getting the people back on track. And then some mix of it up in the future, which is still not completely understood. It's still a mystery. It's going to be interesting to see how all of this works out. So let's jump over now to First John 2. And the title here is, Christ is our advocate. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for those of the whole world. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has been truly perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the one hand, I'm writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness till now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his namesake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I'm writing to you, children, because you do not know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, for you have overcome the evil one. Verse 15. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Children, it is the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out, so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father, and the one who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Verse 25 This is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in him. Now little children abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. And if you know that he is righteous, 
you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Again, John is so to the point of everything going on. These people were struggling with all of these false teachers and these Jews saying they needed to keep the ritual, they needed to keep the law, that they, they needed to have special knowledge, especially when the Gnostics come in. You cannot know the truth unless we reveal it to you by our own specific, special, whatever kind of philosophy or incantations or ritual. And he's saying, you, you know, if you know, you, if you know Jesus, you know him. If, if, he, the, if, if you're in Jesus, if you're in him, you're in the Father, you're saved. And you don't need anybody to come in and tell you you don't, you don't have the truth. You need to be taught what the truth is. It's mystical. It's secret or it's ritualistic. You've got to gain it by our ritual. And he's writing to them so they may not sin, that they may not walk away from that and go back to the sacrificial system and go back into some Gnostic heresy. He says, I'm writing that you may not sin, and, and or if they're just going off into the flesh. But if you do sin, we have an advocate who is the propitiation for us, the way by which God's wrath is satisfied. And and we know that if we've we've overcome and we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. Now, who are we talking about? His commandments. We're talking about Jesus' commandments. John says when we abide in him, what we're doing is we're doing the things we see he, he does, loving our enemies, walking according to his precepts, right? If we say that we love our brother and don't walk according to that, the love of God's not in us because Jesus loved those who persecuted him and killed him. So we don't have the truth of God in us. We can't pretend to be a Christian. We either are we or we are not. So he says, I'm giving you a new commandment. It's really the old commandment. It was in the Old Testament to love your neighbor as yourself. It was really in there, but they didn't know how to practice it. They needed to practice according to the grace of God. So it's quite powerful what John is saying here. And there was so much more we could go into, but we will go ahead and look into uh, today, December, into Charles Spurgeon for the third I will make with them a covenant of peace and will cause the evil beast to cease out of the land and they shall dwell safely in the wilderness and sheep in the woods, Ezekiel 34, 25. It is the height of grace that Jehovah should be in covenant with man, a feeble, sinful, and dying creature. Yet the Lord has solemnly entered into a faithful compact with us and from that covenant he will never turn aside. In virtue of this covenant we are safe. As lions and wolves are driven off by shepherds, so shall all nauseous influences be chased away. The Lord will give us rest from disturbances and destroyers. The evil beasts shall cease out of the land. O Lord, make this thy promise good even now. The Lord's people are to enjoy security in places of the greatest exposure. Wildernesses and woods are to be as pastures and folds for the flock of Christ. And if the Lord does not change the place for the better, he will make us the better in the place. The wilderness is not a place to dwell in, but the Lord can make it so. In the woods, one feels bound to watch rather than to sleep. And yet the Lord giveth his beloved sleep even there. Nothing without or within should cause any fear to the child of God, but by faith the wilderness can become the suburbs of heaven and the woods a vestibule of glory. He does know how to write the beautiful poetry and understanding of the glory of God and how he is our strength and protection and our rest in him in all things. So, Father, thank you for this morning giving us this time together. We love you. We bless you. And ask, God, that you would continue to go before us. Use these days, God, to refine us. 
teach us how to rest in you. God, we pray for the situation of Israel earnestly. God, you'd bring it to completion and save the captives, God, and save the innocent. We, uh, Israel does not desire any women and children or the innocent Palestinians to die. We just pray, God, they're able to route out and save those that are held captive and um, find and bring to justice their murderers of all those that, that were killed in this um, horrible situation on October 7th. So thank you, thank you, Father, and bless our days as we look to you in the future. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you, guys. We will get back tomorrow. We will be live. Join us, if you can, at 9 a.m. Vallarta time on calvipv.com. We'll also be on the radio, Calvary PV Radio, trying to get that going. And please download the app. If you don't have it, you can also use it to get on our webpage and see the uh, live teachings as well as all of the archived ones. So God bless you guys. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye.